Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey, I'm Matt, host of My Second Self and I on the Podmouth Media Network. I'm only asking for a couple minutes of your time so I can shamelessly tell you about my podcast. My Second Self and I is a unique podcast because instead of an actual other person, Alex, my co-host, is the audible manifestation of one of the many other voices in my head. Sounds weird, but it kind of works. Well, sure, that sounds interesting, you might be thinking, but you might also be thinking, well, what kind of pod is it, Matt? My Second Self and I is a comedy show about true crime. What? How does that work? I believe that with the right tone of voice, different voices, and good storytelling, that even a gruesome story about a serial killer can be told in a way that doesn't leave you feeling gritty or gross. Don't worry, I can see you scratching your head. I understand the murder isn't the funny part, rather it's how I tell the story that gets you to laugh. So? What kind of stories can we expect? Great question. You can expect anything from serial killers, missing persons, cold cases, conspiracy theories, paranormal entities, cults, and pretty much anything within the general vicinity of weird slash unexplainable is on the table. You can also expect a certain level of professionalism and that I will do my very best to present the most accurate information I can as well as being entertaining and engaging. If that sounds like a good time to you, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. My second self and I. Tell your friends and stay kind. Also, if you can't, I'm going to try and talk louder, but you should try and talk a little quieter because every time we record, like next time I edit, I'll send you a picture of the sound waves. I have to do a lot of like manipulating with it and it. One of us ends up yeah. sounding funky, like, at the end of the day. Like, one of us doesn't end up sounding as clear. Hold on one second. I'm trying to send our email to our second person. Brutal and bizarre at Gmail. Okay. Well, Declan, what are you going to be telling us about today? I'm going to be talking about the murder of Jeffrey Hall. Jeffrey Hall. Okay. I don't think I know that story. So you always find some cool ones that I haven't heard of before. All right. Cool. Well, I'm going to be talking about a mysterious thing that happens in a small town in Texas. And the drink that I have to go with this is actually named after the story. So when I was looking for cocktails, I started thinking of like, ooh, what are weird little things that could go with this story? And what are weird little things that I might, you know, bury in there? And then I just randomly Googled the name of the story and it came up with a cocktail. So (laughs) the cocktail is the Marfa Lights. And the story is about the Marfa lights. And that is uh, 
you know, I couldn't get any more spot on with the name if I tried. So (laughs) the drink is a, um, it's a vodka drink and I believe it was created by the brand Deep Eddy. And so it's specifically on their website. It's very similar to um, other drinks, but this one is called the Marfa Lights. Get into it. It is two ounces of Deep Eddy original vodka, three ounces of grapefruit juice, one ounce of simple syrup, half an ounce of fresh lime juice, plus a pinch of salt and optional garnish with a grapefruit wedge. So the steps are to add the ingredients, except the garnish, obviously, to a shaker with ice, shake quickly to dilute the salt and to mix, and then strain into an ice-filled glass and garnish. So are you ready for this drink? Let's give it a try. I really like it. Really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I used fra- fresh grapefruit it's, juice. It's almost and I think that like makes a, a difference. Yes, like, it is similar to like a Paloma or pretty close. Except pretty close. obviously with vodka instead of tequila. Vodka, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I like it. It's pretty good. It's good. It's good. I I didn't want to buy an entire bottle of grapefruit juice so i just Mm -hmm. got a grapefruit and squeezed the grapefruit instead and i think it makes a difference because it's not super sweet but it doesn't taste you know sometimes grapefruit juice in a bottle can taste bitter pretty bitter yeah 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 this doesn't taste bitter at all to me so all right are you ready to jump in on this texas story yes i'm ready Okay. Have you heard of the Marfa lights before? Because you like to you. Okay. You you've heard a lot of like weird stories that I I hadn't heard about it before. Um, So in a small Texas town on the west side of the state, a strange phenomena draws visitors from across the globe. For over 30 years, the town hosts a festival dedicated to the phenomenon known as the Marfa Lights. It is named for the town Marfa and for the strange thing that witnesses have reported over uh, 100 years. The uh, festival includes live music, tasty food, and a parade, which I'm personally not a huge fan of any kind of a parade, but whatever. I guess some people like parades. Yeah. I think that's my fault because I didn't take you to parades because I didn't like going to them. So why would I take you? I wouldn't have liked to go anyways. I mean. I know, but. I feel like a lot of people like a lot of experiences for me, but I don't think I would have liked those experiences anyways. Okay. Then I won't feel bad. (laughs) I don't like lots of loud noises and loud people. Like that's what a parade is. It's just a bunch of people. And a bunch of loud noises. And and no then things. you just stand there and watch stuff 
go by you. I don't know. It's boring to me, but it's like anyway, they have like a paper mache float. I, I don't want to see yeah. that. Yeah. They have a parade there if you ever want to go. So um all of these activities are dedicated to the mysterious lights that have been seen across the desert uh near this tiny town. So let's dive into what the Marfa lights are. Marfa is a small West Texas town that is a unique viewpoint for visitors. The viewing spot is located nine miles east of town on US 90 and overlooks an intersecting section of US Route 67, known as Mitchell Flat, just east of the town. Marfa, the town, has less than 2,000 residents, so it's pretty small. Um, it's kind of interesting that it to me that it's so small even they have you know these things that draw people they're not just the the lights but they have like a bunch of artwork and stuff um it's about an hour away from the u.s and mexico border marfa has a strong art presence and attracts a lot of tourists with different art foundations owning dozens of buildings specifically used for displaying artwork however tourists aren't only uh, visiting Marfa for the artwork hanging in galleries and museums. They're also visiting and stopping at the special viewpoint to look across the desert in hopes of seeing strange lights, which may or may not have an explanation. The lights have been described as glowing orbs that appear in the night sky, and they have been seen for both by both tourists and residents. The first reported sighting of the lights dates back to 1883 and was was noted by a young cowhand. On that night, he was moving cattle from the Paisano Pass when he was, saw a flickering light in the distance. He wondered if it might be a campfire that had been lit by local Native Americans. He discussed it with some of the other settlers who reported similar sightings. But those men had investigated in the area that they'd seen the lights and could find no evidence of fires or anything to explain the lights. So they're just seeing lights in the distance, thinking it's a campfire. They go check it out, and there's nothing there. Back in 1883, I don't think they had access to the amount of lights we have nowadays. Because if you look in the distance, right. you can see lights all over the place now. But like back in the day, right. they wouldn't just have random like car headlights or something like or a house light. No, exactly. It'd be suspicious so if there were lights. Yeah, that's why they always thought it was a campfire. But then when they would go look, they didn't find any evidence of campfire. There's no, you know, fire burning any longer or remnants of a fire. So they couldn't find anything to explain it. Two years later, there was another documented account of the strange lights. This time it was by a couple who reported seeing them. Although, although those were the initial written accounts of the lights, it is believed the regional Native Americans noticed the strange lights before that, and then the Native Americans thought they were fallen stars. A few sightings were noted in the 1940s when the military was using that nearby airfield for pilot training. Pilots from Midland Army Airfield during World War II that were stationed at the airbase tried to look locate the source of the lights but were reportedly unsuccessful so there's a nearby airfield and they're using it for training purposes and more people are seeing it investigating it but not able to figure out what it is 
During the 1950s, more sightings of the strange lights were reported. Witness accounts are fairly consistent with the lights being described as multiple floating orbs around the size of a basketball. Colors of the lights do vary, including white, red, blue, or yellow. Sometimes the lights move in a coordinated pattern, while other times they appear to move independently. So sometimes you'll see a couple of them moving together, and then sometimes they'll be just like one off on its own, moving around doing stuff. Hmm. It has been reported that the lights will sometimes converge from multiple lights into one light, while other times the lights will split into two. The lights can twinkle and appear or disappear suddenly. They often show up randomly throughout the night in all types of weather and all seasons of the year. Some witnesses have oh. given the lights. What's that? So you said it's about the size of a basketball, right? Yeah. Is that up close or far away, do you think? Are there people like that? Honestly. Seen them close? So some people have said that the light will move around suddenly and approach them and then disappear before it actually hits them. So I'm not sure if it's a basketball size in the distance or because if it's you know basketball what I mean? size from far away, that's big. But if it's basketball yes. size from up close, it's a lot smaller. Yeah. So I was just wondering. Yeah. It didn't say other than they were described as basketball size. So okay. Some witnesses have given the lights personalities, describing the lights as whimsical and friendly, while others say the lights are distant and aloof. I don't know. I don't know how you can describe a personality of a light as being whimsical or aloof, but that's how they've been described. Like so something. What? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Got poison water supply. Sounds weird. Yeah. Like I said, the movement of the lights is variable as well, with some people describing the lights as hovering and others claiming the lights move quickly across the desert at very high rates of speed, only to turn suddenly and move in the opposite direction. Some witnesses claim the lights would move towards them only to disappear quickly before it actually struck them. So they, no one was struck by a light, but they were in fear of being struck by a light because this light is moving at them and then disappearing. In a book written about the lights by James Bunnell, he identified 34 reported sightings from 1945 to 2008. Over the decades, there have, they have been called many different things, including ghost lights, weird lights, strange lights, car lights, mystery lights, and the Chinati lights after a nearby mountain range. Some witnesses think the lights have a paranormal explanation, believing the lights are spirits of long past Native Americans, cowboys, Spanish conquistadors, or settlers, while others believe the lights may be caused by aliens. Of course, there are skeptics regarding these ideas and have given possible scientific explanations. Scientific solutions of what the lights actually are can vary as much as the names ranging from people thinking that they're car lights or a combustion of gases that are being emitted by the desert and possibly mirages caused by large changes in temperature 
So in 2004, and again in 2008, two different college groups identified numerous lights seen from the viewpoint on Highway 90. Both of these studies concluded the lights were likely caused by cars traveling on Highway 60, going between Marfa and the nearby town of Presidio. That is surely a possible explanation for the current reported lights, you know, more of the modern times, but it wouldn't explain the lights from the 1800s like we were talking about originally. Like, there's not lights from the 1800s that are going to be driving down Highway 67. Yeah. Some skeptics speculate that the lights are simply caused by gases in the ground quickly catching fire and then extinguishing. This type of thing has been seen in marshy areas where organic matter is decaying and cause uh, pockets of gas to collect and then ignite. Although there are no marshy areas. That story you told of the burning city where they got like fire burning underneath it. Oh, we've yeah, we've talked about that. But we haven't done a story on that. That would be an interesting one. Oh. Okay, I'm going to cut this out then. Because I could have swore you did a story about the city that's on fire. No, I think that's Centralia. Can't remember what state. A story about Mm -mm. Centralia? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to find them. So there are no marshy areas around the town, it's a desert. There's no marsh. Um, so some think that it's potentially natural gas located underground that is escaping and then quickly combusting and then disappearing. And that that's their explanation of what is causing the lights to suddenly come on and then suddenly disappear. The mirage I mentioned earlier is also a possibility and is called a superior mirage. It occurs when a layer of calm, warm air rests on top of a layer of cool air. Because this is a desert and at a fairly high elevation at nearly 4,600 feet, temperature fluctuations during the day can be as much as 40 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which you and I know what that's like because our town is high desert and we get temperature changes like that every year in the spring and the fall, so... It's not surprising. Although I've never seen. Yeah, I've never seen any lights that have been explained by it. But um, the temperature changes could cause the necessary temperature gradients that cause this type of mirage. Although superior mirages typically occur on the ocean, which causes distant boats to appear higher and if they're floating above the surface of the water. So it has been seen, but it typically happens on the ocean. Although there have been multiple potential explanations, nothing specific has ever been proven to be the cause of the Marfa lights. So it's still unexplained. That's super weird. Yeah. It's weird and trippy. That sounds like a cool vacation. Mm -hmm. Go hang out in a desert town of Texas. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about going to Texas, so why not? Yeah. Make a whole trip. Nothing else to do, right? Yeah, it'd be fun. (laughs) 
Alrighty, let me tell you about Jeff Hall. Yeah. Jeffrey Hall was the son of Joan Patterson. He wasn't a class star. In fact, he he was expelled from multiple schools for fighting and even one incident oh. of trying to strangle a teacher with a phone cord. <gasps> oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, you don't do that if you want to. If yeah. I mean, I guess if you could do that if you don't want to stay in school. Sure. <laughs> uh, Hall later married Letitia Neal, having two children with her, Joseph and Shirley. Joseph was born on June 19, 2000, who is going to come up later in this story. Okay. The two divorced shortly after Joseph was born. Neil had some twins after the divorce. However, the twins weren't doing so well, so CPS removed all of Neil's kids and all of Hall's kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. When CPS did a home interview of Neil, they were horrified by what they saw. The house had no power or gas, so it was just cold and the lights were out. Oh, the house that's had not good. lots of unclean dishes that had maggots crawling all over them. Oh, oh don't. Yeah. Ugh, you had to say that word. Oh, I hate that word so much. And covered in bruises. Oh. So sad. At the time of the interview, Hall was on probation for DUI, so the two's children were placed in their grandmother's care, in Hall's mother's care. Okay. However, in 2004, Hall was granted his children back. Hall later married Krista McCary. Hall later married Krista McCary. Together, the two had three children together, but they struggled financially. Hall was a construction worker and was struggling to find work. And for some reason, he believed that Jews and ethnic minorities were responsible for him not having a job. Oh, so he's a real peach yeah. of a guy. Yeah. Nice, racist. Gotcha. This belief led him to uh, founding a local neo-Nazi group in his hometown. His faction, or whatever you want to call it, held multiple rallies across multiple states, including Arizona and Michigan. He would often dress up in World War II-era Nazi garb and shout out his distaste in minorities. Oh. In 2010, he ran for the, uh, the Western Municipal Water District Board as a white supremacist, and he received about a third of the vote. What? Yes. What? <laughs> what? What town was this again? Uh, it didn't say. Let me. Oh my. Yeah. Too sure. Holy about the cow! Town. I'm curious what town and what state it was. As you can imagine, Hall started pushing his beliefs on his five children. And in an interview held by the New York Times, Joseph can be seen wearing a belt with the Nazi SS on the belt buckle, which was given to him by his father. Yeah. Yuck. Oh. Hall bragged about teaching his son about the Nazi party, but what he didn't brag about was the abuse he inflicted on his kids. Hall hit his kids, his wife, and he often threatened to kill them. The house was filthy and smelled of urine. So there was just clothes all over the place, plates, dirty plates, like 
guns and weapons just hanging out for the kids to like just pick up and yeah yuck on may 1st 2011 hall was sleeping on the couch after telling his family he would take out all the smoke detectors out of the house and burn the house down with everyone inside of it oh my gosh this was 11 year old joseph's last straw while his father was sleeping, he grabbed a 357 Magnum, put it up to his oh. father's ear, and pulled the trigger. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yikes. Wow. It's a big bullet traveling through someone's head. That Yeah. Oh. When police arrived, okay. Joseph was taken into custody, and the other four children were sent to Grandma's house again. Krista, Joseph's stepmother, was arrested and charged with child neglect and criminal storage of a firearm. When questioned on yeah. why he killed his father, Joseph said that he saw an episode of Criminal Minds where an abused uh, child shot his father and had no repercussions for it. So he thought he would have the same thing. Oh. He also believed that his father wasn't going to die from the shot and that they were like gonna be able to reconcile it in the future because he okay. was only 11. well like he was 11 uh, he yeah yeah they don't kids don't really get that yeah 2013 joseph was found guilty of murder the judge ruled that the minor knew what he did was wrong and that there was planning and understanding in the commission of this crime during the sentencing hearing, lawyers presented evidence about Joseph's psychological well-being. Joseph was sentenced to juvenile detention until he reaches the age of two, uh, until he reaches the age of 23. Because Joseph was born on June 19, 2000, he became 23 on June 19, 2023. Okay. Did he get out? Yeah. Yeah. He got out. Okay. They didn't, yeah. like, move him to an adult facility? You know, let me just verify real quick. Yeah. Wow. What was the dad's name again? What was his first name? Jeffrey Hall. Jeffrey. Okay, that's what I thought. Hang on. I don't know if he's actually out. Oh, okay. There's no new information about this since 2023. So I'm not mm, positive okay. if he's out or not, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of information. He could be free. I'm assuming he's free if that's what his sentencing was, then because there's a lot of laws around like children who are charged with crimes that adults are charged with similar to like murder and stuff. Yeah. They, If there's a certain age, they can only be held for so long because they weren't they were fucking kids like it. How do they right. know like the full extent of what would happen? So I, I believe that if, if the judge held up, then he should be free right now. 
which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he I just really wondered know, if like I just wondered if they would send him like to an adult facility or you know, from Well, I think I twenty three is the oldest you can be in a juvenile facility. So maybe that had something to well, do with it. Just twenty three in a juvenile facility seems inappropriate to me. <laughs> just on that there, basis alone. Old, but if he because he got convicted when he was thirteen years old. So if he got convicted at 13 that's 10 years in there it, i feel like it'd be messed up to yeah. send him to another facility like an adult facility when he turns 18 or something because he'd been in there I'm... for so long and he's like maybe yeah. if he's a problem in like fighting kids or stabbing people or something right. but i was just thinking about oh. the potential other children that would be coming in after he'd been there so yeah i mean that's what he knows, but you, you have other 11 year olds who are coming into a juvenile facility or 12 year olds or whatever. It seems inappropriate to me to have them housed a 22 year old in with a 12 year old. That's a big difference. A little weird. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, I mean, I feel bad for anybody who has to go through that kind of a life you know, and then sticking up for himself. And obviously there were better ways to do that, but he might not have felt like he had an opportunity to do something else and probably didn't grasp the reality of what he was actually doing. And he was just trying to protect his family. Like yeah, his dad was abusing everyone, threatening to kill everyone. So this kid who was the oldest sibling, yeah, like, he just kind of, Took it into his own hands. Snapped, so. yeah. Oh, that's really sad. It is. It's a really interesting. So let's talk about something like, more yeah. positive. Okay, Do you have a chaser so to get us a better spin? It's an. Uh, it's an Instagram account with the name Ooh, okay. Andrea Von Speed. A-N-D-R-E-A-V-O-N-S-P-E-E-D. And it's a bl- it's an Instagram account for a black cat. And okay. the owner will just take a video of them playing and then we'll just freeze frame it and then <laughs> they play this song on every video but it's like little it's like someone's singing and they just start editing the cat to look like another animal <laughs> oh like, that's interesting one really quick so you can see okay it. let me go see let me go check yeah, it out i'll cut this little break part out but it's okay. really fucking funny oh <laughs> okay i'm watching I'm watching one where it, he turns the cat into an alligator and then, um, or a crocodile, and um, he's being hunted by, or she's being <laughs> hunted so by. It's so random. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. The next one is where uh, they turn the cat into a Tetris cube. So that's pretty cute. That's really cute. I like that. I'll um, try and remember to post it onto our Instagram 
when uh, we release this so that it's in one of our, our link it to one of our accounts. Yeah, that'd be fun. I like it. That's a cute cat too. That is a super (laughs) cute cat. Oh my gosh. The beginning video where he takes like the freeze frame to edit is always a cat doing something weird, like running and like, Mm -hmm. you know, when cats run sideways or like, yes, like on the floor. Yeah. It's just really funny to watch. I like it. What's your chaser? Well, my chaser is a watch recommendation. I feel like all of my chasers recently have been watch recommendations because it's cold outside and I don't have anything else to do besides stay in the house and watch TV. So I um, have a bunch of watch recommendations. And this one is Lockwood and Co. on Netflix. And anybody out there who says it should be Lockwood and Company, you are in, you are in the same boat as me. I want to say Lockwood and Company, but the the show keeps referring to it as Lockwood and Co. But anyway, it's a show about teenagers who can see ghosts and talk with ghosts. And their whole job is to like go into haunted houses and castles and rooms and try and get the spirits to leave and it's it's a really cute show it's you know like teenagers have this special ability and they grow out of it at some point and so they just have this limited time where they can do this job but it's a really fun little show I can't remember how many episodes there were but we binged it in a couple of days and finished it and really enjoyed it it's it's a funny little show so I highly recommend that yeah. So like Sixth Sense, the TV show. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the people, but the, the kids know that they are seeing ghosts and it's uh-huh. like, yeah. But I, I liked a, it. I have a second chaser kind of. Okay. It's kind of dark. So okay. oh. it's a watch recommendation for the movie, The Sounds of Freedom. Hmm. Do you know about that? Is this the trafficking one? Yeah. I haven't watched it because I don't want to get that upset. Fucked up. It's a really fucked up movie, but it's it's really good. It's about a guy who saves he goes like undercover and helps save children who have been trafficked. And it's I think it was really controversial too when it first came out. Um, okay, it hasn't you know, been out that long. It's only been well, like six months. What? The director. The fact that they were talking about it. No, the director. Okay. Got arrested for human trafficking. No. Like a couple really? Months after Are you kidding out. me? Let me just verify. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> Was he using this as like a training opportunity or something to figure out how to do it? That's bullshit. If that's not true, you have to cut this part out. The founder, <laughs> not the director. Sorry, not the oh, founder. Oh, the founder. The founder, Fabian Marta, arrested for uh, child sex trafficking. But the, Ser- the charges oh have been dropped. Charges have been oh. dropped. But Okay. 
still it that's weird, weird. <laughs> hmm. well it just makes me yeah, wonder uh, if if somebody he's taking notes like w- targeted him because they were trying to silence the movie maybe maybe that would i mean in this day and age of conspiracy theories let's go with that as an option I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that part. I just had heard that it was no. controversial, but I didn't know why. Okay. Let, let me reframe it. He was charged as an accessory to a kidnapping. That was okay. not, not sex trafficking. Sorry, not I'm okay. a little too far with that. But he was okay. charged with accessory to a kidnapping, but the charges have been dropped. So Okay. Wow. Just a little interesting interesting. fact, but the movie was really good. I think it's worth a watch because it's important to kind of spread awareness. It is very important. Yeah. But that wraps us up. No more depressing movies. It does. Topics for me. Gina, you should go watch the movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Gina, I'm sure she'll just jump right on that. (laughs) She's not, no, she's not taking any more of your movie recommendations. Yeah. Oh, boy. I like fucked up movies, if you can't tell, but. Yes. Thanks for watching, everybody. We know. Yeah, thank you. It does. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.